And again, I welcome everybody for the sake of the recording to the Carolina Bible Group Bible Study Voice Room. Um, again, it is a real pleasure and a privilege to have uh, the crew with us this morning. Hopefully, um, you've come with uh, lots of questions and uh, open Bible, open mind, because you might take it today. It's going to be... Um, there's some interesting things. As uh, <laughs> I'm kind of in uncharted waters here for me, and I, I'm in in the Book of Revelation, but um, the timestamp for today is uh, eight twenty eight twenty two, August the twenty eighth. So um, we'll keep moving forward with that. Our purpose uh, in this entire study series uh, is to investigate the angels and giants mentioned in Scripture. By doing so alleviate some of the confusion that some scripture verses seem to generate. And uh, I don't know that I was confused by the verses I saw this morning, but I certainly have uh, a lot of questions. I got more questions than I got answers, and that's always good for a teacher. Like, eh, you know, you, you, we need not ever get to thinking that we're ever going to figure out everything about scripture, because if you can, you're better than me, because I'll, I'll tell you right now, I don't. I don't have it all figured out. I'm, I always end up with more questions than answers. Uh, but that's what keeps us pushing and keeps us studying. So I guess that's the way the Lord uh, designed it and set it up. Uh, last week we continued our review of angels and angelic beings, uh, so to say, uh, mentioned in the Revelation by looking at the events revealed in Revelations chapter 6, or Revelation, I'm sorry, chapter 6 through 7. Of the revelation. Uh, so for today's study, let's keep moving on uh, to see what the angels and spirit beings are doing further on uh, in the revelation. And uh, I, you know, I toyed in the beginning with uh, over 72 mentions of the word angel alone, or a derivative thereof in the book of Revelation, and then so many more beings that are mentioned that are not called angels. Remember the beast and the elders. Uh, we've already run upon other words that clearly talk about beings in the heavens where God is, literally in the throne room of God, but they are not called angels in the scripture, or at least in the King James. They're, they're referred to as other words. And they're set apart, or there's a difference in them, or they would be the same word, um, as we see in, in going through the Scripture. So, I think it's interesting to note that. We're going to see even more of that today uh, so in, in Revelation uh, as we move forward. So, let's keep looking into these angels in Revelation, uh, in chapters 8 and 9. And, uh, you know, I, I really kind of had a little consternation with, you know, for the book of Revelation, do I go over every occurrence of angel or do we just kind of synopsize it? And boy, I'm glad I didn't uh, just synopsize it because these things are written for a reason. God doesn't put words in the scripture just to fill it up. Uh, every jot and tittle in the scripture is important because it's God-breathed. It's given by the Creator Himself. And the Lord Jesus Christ it was the physical embodiment of the Word of the Father. So that is the <laughs> the two considerations that brought me to the point of, yeah, well, we probably ought to go over it. And... <laughs> And, and check into them. If it's, if it's worthy of doing a study, let's at least read through it. Now, this may preclude that we end up reading the entire book of Revelation. And this study is not meant to be a study of the entire book of Revelation. But when you get down to the angels and how God uses them and their interaction according to His will with the earth and the heavens... Then it's worthy of our, worthy of a peak, wouldn't you say? I would say yes. So that's the conclusion, and those are the thoughts that drew me to the point where we are in realizing that I'm probably going to have to read the rest of the book of the Revelation to be able to do the angels and the angelic beings in the Revelation justice. 
so that you at least get a cursory look and maybe a springboard with which to start and do your own study. Hopefully you are, because trust me, um, we are not going to cover everything that needs to be covered in the 45, 50 minutes that we've got as we move forward through this. So um, let's keep that in mind as we go into Revelations chapter 8 and 9. Hopefully we'll get through both today, but if we don't, we don't. Uh, I want to note also that the word angel or a derivative of it, not including the other beings that are mentioned, is mentioned 15 times just in these two chapters. So you see my problem in trying to just synopsize it or trying not to read the entirety of the scripture because if you're going to do the subject any justice at all, you just can't, you can't get there from here without without reading the whole thing. And I, I hate to shortchange the scripture because I don't know about you guys, but I'm not in any hurry. Um, let's let the study sort of dictate how quickly we're able to move through it. And, and if it goes quickly, it goes quickly. If it doesn't, then it doesn't. So I've, I've come to the point of uh, just not trying to do that anymore. Turn me to Revelation chapter 8. We pretty much read... Four and five, uh, then we read six and seven, and today we're probably going to end up reading eight and nine chapters of Revelation. Now, remember the revelation, or the, the revelation that John saw, uh, the word stands, it's literally the Hebrew, I mean the, the Greek form apocalypsis, or apocalypso, and it means the unveiling of, or the presentation of, the personal presence of a certain thing. It's a, it's a revealing of something. It's a showing how this thing is going to arrive. And the, the thing that's being talked about as being revealed here is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the coming of the Lord and the, the events preceding the preparations that go along with it, the things that happen in the heavens, Versus the things that happen on earth. And again, before we get rolling, if you have a companion Bible and roll back to the introduction, uh, to the, to the revelation on page 1883 of the companion Bible, um, you will see a very nice outline dividing up what the various parts of the book of the revelation talk about. And, Basically, when it gets down to revealing the things to come, it's divided into two sections, in heaven and on earth. And you see that on page 1883 of the Companion Bible. Now, this structure, so to say, is not added to the Scripture. It's just discovered to be there by men who were way more studious than Ronnie is and much a, much better able to present it in a, I think, in a fashion that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, this uh, outline isn't holy. It may not be perfect, like the Scripture itself is. But it certainly provides you a springboard by which to help you understand where the events that are being discussed in the book of Revelation take place. Because, guess what? This, this angel study that we're doing, these angels have a great impact and a great involvement in what's actually going on in the Revelation. So there's no way in my mind that I can separate the angels from the Revelation. So in order to study the angels, we're going to have to study the Revelation a little bit because they are so intertwined and interconnected that there's no way to separate them. So let's begin. Revelation chapter 8. Hopefully you've been with us the last couple of studies because that's what sort of uh, set the stage for all this. When we get to chapter 8 and 9, which is extremely interesting to me. Because as we remember from 6 and 7, we were opening seals last week. There was a book that was given to the one who was on the throne, or the one who came with the power to open the book, there was one who had the power to open the book, and we know who that was. And the book was sealed with seven seals. 
And that's what we've been reading about in 6 and 7. And here it's going to continue with that in in chapter 8. And we're about to open the seventh of the seven seals that were on the book. And it's the Lamb that's opening the seals. He and he alone had the ability and the power and was qualified according to God's qualifications to open the seals on the book. So let's hopefully that's a decent synopsis here to as an introduction to kind of get us going in Revelation chapter eight. And and my disclaimer again, this is not an in depth study of the book of Revelation, although it may seem like it at, at times, because of our involvement with these angels. So it says in in, ver, in verse 1 of chapter 8, the revelation, And when he, Christ, had opened the seventh seal out of seven. Now, this seventh seal is going to take up the next several chapters. Because within the seal are going to be seven angels, and seven trumpets, and seven vials, and all these other things that are going to come forth out of this seventh seal. Uh, the seventh seal is very important, and it's very different from the other seals. So remember that as we go through this, and keep an eye on what's going on. I, I've come to the conclusion, you know, I'm a picture guy. I'm an engineer, so I live off pictures and diagrams and dimensions and, you know, flow charts and these kind of things, where I can see literally what's happening from one thing to another. Dad's sitting there shaking his head because he knows I used to watch him draw this same thing in the floor of the shop with a piece of soapstone. And so I know Dad knows what I'm talking about. But in doing this, I've almost come to the conclusion that if I'm going to understand the revelation, I need some kind of flow chart uh, for my own head, you know, so I can see what's going on and progressing through the book of the revelation. Uh, but that's just me. So maybe you can do it without a chart. Let's find out. When he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Wow. Something is about to happen. When the seal gets opened, everything gets quiet to see what is about to take place, what is about to transpire. And I saw the seven angels, and in my notes, you know, I'll do like Dad does on Wednesday. I'll give you my notes and you can go back and read what's in the companion Bible about them as well. But I believe these seven angels uh, are likely the same seven that spoke to the seven churches in the earlier chapters, in chapter 1 through like 4 of Revelation maybe. Probably the same seven angels. So John says he saw seven angels which stand. I know the scripture says stood, but it should say stand which stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Oh, so now it begins to, things are happening and different things are being introduced into this revelation. John, our guy on the ground in heaven, and, and incidentally, chapter 8, verses 1 through 6, take place in heaven, if you look at the outline, that I told you about back at the beginning of the book of Revelation in the Companion Bible. 8, 1 through 6 is in heaven. 8, 7 through 11, 14. Get take place, guess what? On the earth. In heaven, on earth. Cause and effect. In heaven, on earth. Hopefully you see that. The things that are decided and announced in heaven that John tell us about take place on the earth. Some of it takes place in heaven, but some of it takes place on the earth. Just so you know that. Verse 3. The seven angels were given seven trumpets. Verse 3, and another angel. So we just keep getting angels on top of angels, on top of different angels, as they're introduced into the book of the Revelation. Another angel came and stood at the altar. What altar? Well, the altar that they've been we've been talking about, I believe, all along. Having a golden censer 
And listen to this. And there was given unto him, that angel, much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the, of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. The prayers of all the saints are going to be offered up along with that incense. That's amazing. Did you know that God can take a prayer and make a physical, some type of a physical thing out of it? Evidently he can. Does it exist in the heavens? John can see it. Now whether this be symbolic, or whether or not, I'll leave that for you to decide. I believe there is symbology employed in the book of the Revelation, and I think you would agree, but it's that's where you have to have not only right division, but you got to have a lot of. Um, I think you got to have a lot of insight and a lot of help by the Holy Spirit to understand some of these things. I know I do. But that, that amazes me, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. So this altar is in front of the throne. We've already talked about the throne and who's on it. And then you've got the, remember the four living creatures, uh, the scripture calls them beasts, that are immediately around the throne. And then there are 24 elders outside, I believe, of that. We literally are getting a glimpse into the throne room of God here in the, in the, in the Revelation. Hey, and it, it, either you believe it or, or you don't. Uh, it's either scripture or it's not. It's either true or it's false. That's the way I look at it. And I believe it to be true. Verse 4. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. This is the angel that brought the, had the censer in his hand. Verse 5, and this is, a, this is an interesting verse. We're going to have to look at some notes on verse 5 when I read it. So it says in 5, and the angel, here you see why we can't skip, we can't skip reading anything, because there's an angel in almost every verse. In the Revelation. And the angel took the censer. And filled it with fire of the altar. Huh. And cast it into the earth. Uh oh. And there were voices. And thunderings. And lightnings. And an earthquake. Now. We've already talked about earthquakes a little earlier in the Revelation. Look at the note in the Companion Bible on this particular mention of earthquake. It says, see chapter 6, verse 12. It says, here apparently a convulsion of earth alone. Not like it's earth, ocean, everything. This is just a convolution of earth alone. Or at least that's what the the note in the companion Bible alludes to. Also, it says in the companion Bible notes, and this is interesting to listen to this. Chapter 6 and 7 present the six seals, the sixth carrying on to the end. The seventh seal contains a new series of judgments under the seven trumpets. And this covers the scripture in eight, chapter 8, verse 7, through chapter 11, verse 14. These things take place on the earth. And the seven vials that are mentioned in chapter 16, 1 through 18, 24. The seventh seal, listen to this, thus embraces the period of both trumpets and vials, that's 8, 7 through 18, 24. Of Revelation chapter 8 verse 7 through chapter 18 verse 24 that's the what what companion Bible calls the period of both trumpets and vials and that's why I said things really began to open and things really began to accelerate 
I will say here in, in the Revelation when we get to these points. And is immediately followed by the apocalypse or the unveiling of the word of God. You see that in the companion Bible? See appendix 197, the son of Adam and appendix 99. The first six trumpets relate to the earth. The seventh to heaven. You see the difference? In, as it says in 11.15. The seven are divided into four and three. The last three being woe trumpets. Woe. W-O-E. Woe, woe, woe. The judgments and woe now to be set forth are just as real, as literal, as the judgments predicted and fulfilled in the past history of Israel. And it says regarding that, see Exodus thirty-four ten, Deuteronomy twenty-eight ten, Isaiah eleven, fifteen and sixteen, and Micah chapter seven, verses thirteen through fifteen. Those are the prophecies that come about concerning Israel. And the companion Bible says that these woes and the things that come from these woes that are mentioned in Revelation are just as real and they take place just as literal as the foretelling of the events that are going to happen to Israel in the scriptures I just quoted. That That's amazing. And I, I think it's a great note. That's why I didn't want to that's why I didn't want to skip that note on verse 5 there. Let's read it again. And the angel took the censer, filled it with fire of the altar, and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels, verse 6, which had the seven trumpets, prepared themselves to sound. So they pull the trumpets up and get ready to blow them. The first angel sounded. So now we've switched to from things on in heaven to the things on earth. What's going to happen on the earth? The first angel sounded. Remember, seven angels, seven trumpets, as part of the seventh seal, the first angel sounds. And there follow, listen to these things that take place as these trumpets sound. None of it being very good. I will uh, interject there. So the first angel sounded and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. And I said hail, H-A-I-L, not hail, H-E-L-L. <laughs> In case you're wondering. Hail and fire mingled with blood and they were cast upon the earth. And the third, listen to this, and a third or a third part of trees was burnt up. And all green grass was burnt up. Now, it's probably more evident than it ever has before in the world and the time that we live in how fragile our ecosystem is, I guess. I actually think it's pretty tough. To have survived all that it has survived. But no doubt, a third of the trees and a third of the grass all being burned up is no small deal. Well, it says all green grass was burned up. That's pretty bad. What do the animals eat? Well, most of them eat grass. Verse 8. And the second angel sounded. Some of these go fairly quickly. Some of them not so much. So the second angel sounded. This is the second trumpet. And as it were a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea. Uh, sounds a little bit like a gigantic meteor to me. And how many movies have you seen? You know, you don't have to raise your hand. And how many movies have you seen about meteors hitting the earth and causing, you know, just unbelievable 
upholding, uh, you know, it, it creates all this, these events that our stars have to figure out a way to survive. Or, and that entertains us. And I want you to think as I read through these, how many movies or shows or um, things that you've seen that sound really familiar as we go through it. Where do they get these ideas in their heads for these movies and such? So the second angel sounded, and as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea. And the third part of the sea became blood. And it makes you wonder, does it become blood or does it become as blood? I'll let you study that one out. And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life, they died. Man. So we got no trees, we got no grass, and now do you realize how many creatures are in our oceans? <laughs> Have you ever stopped for a second to give that any thought? That's a lot of critters. There's a lot of critters in the oceans. Third part of them died. And the third part of the ships were destroyed. That's interesting to throw in there with all the other stuff. A third part of all... Uh, evidently, the disruption of the ocean, or maybe the changing of the composition of the water, I don't know. I don't know what happens. I know that if you put enough gas in the water, it can't support the the weight of a ship anymore. If you got a, if you take a air hose and put it underneath a, a floating boat, it won't be long. It'll be on the bottom. It takes away the water that holds it up. It's the cohesion of the water pushing against the hull of the ship that holds it up in the water, makes it float. Yeah, that's the way it overcomes the the, the buoyancy there. Yeah. We'll make it overcome the... Yeah, if it, if it ain't enough buoyancy, it won't float. Make it come to overcome the... Uh, what are we talking here about? The, the pulling of the... Well, gravity pulls gravity. it down if there's not enough pushback from the from yeah. the ocean to hold it up. Right. Very interesting. Third part of the ships are destroyed. Verse 10. And that's only two angels. We're up to the third angel now. Verse 10. And the third angel sounded. This is the third trumpet. Now you see the angelic interaction with what God's got going on between his will and the earth. Remember in the Old Testament prophecies when it says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Guess how he's going to exercise his vengeance. A lot of it comes through his angels. He tells them what to do, and they carry out the order, just like a just like a good set of soldiers. Well, yeah, and it don't take many of them either. You, you know, no one, you, one angel. You, every time we have one angel sound one trumpet, here a lot of stuff begins to happen. Yeah. yeah, I mean, earth-changing events take place. This ain't small. This ain't small potatoes yeah, we're talking like, about. It's like the death angel in Assyria. Yeah, know? exactly. He killed a hundred and something thousand men of war. In moments, probably. And, and, yeah, and Just in moments. Third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star, and this is interesting, verse 11. The name of the star is called Wormwood. In the Greek, it's Absinthos. Interesting. The name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood. This, whatever's in this third, uh, in this great star from heaven that the third trumpet brings about, doesn't mix with water very well. And well, it, it mixes with water very well, but that doesn't turn out well uh, for the men that drink the water, because it said that many men died of the waters. 
because they were made bitter. It poisoned somehow the water system. The bitterness. Wormwood is, thanks Tony for, incidentally, Tony, really, I really appreciate you posting and, and posting all these definitions. It really helps. I think it helps everybody that's looking as we go through this for you to, to pop all that up there. I really appreciate that. It said many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. You know, the one of the great things that we have to have as humans is water. The greatest thing we have to have to survive. You can live longer without food than you can without water. Because we're mostly, our bodies are composed mostly of water. Well, mine's composed mostly of fat. I don't know about y'all, but. <laughs> well, that, that can be rendered. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Verse 12, and the fourth angel sounded. We're up to the fourth trumpet now. And the third part of the sun, listen to this. <laughs> I don't know about that, Mel. <laughs> Oh, the fourth angel sounded, <laughs> and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars. You remember when these were created? It mentions them all at once. Here it mentions a third of them being wiped out all at once. Very interesting. Yeah, look at the... The note there in the companion Bible, the Lord himself foretold these things. In Matthew 24 particularly, Tony listed uh, enough scriptures there for you to look up and stay busy for about a week. (laughs) So, the third part of the sun, the moon, and the stars are smitten, so as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it. Unless those days be shortened, there shall be no flesh spared. You remember those verses? Mm-hmm. So it sounds to me like the days are shortened here a little bit. Isn't that something? So as the third part of them was darkened and the day shone, Revelation eight twelve, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. So the... We've lost the trees. We've lost the grass. We've lost, uh, we've had the, uh, oceans turn to blood. We've lost a third of the ships. Uh, we've lost the drinking water. And now we've lost the third part of the day and the night. It, it ain't, it's not looking too good for the earth here. Verse 13, and I beheld, this is the last verse in chapter 8. John says, and I beheld and heard an angel or one angel, if you want to replace it with that. Well, I heard one, uh, one eagle, I'm sorry. Is uh, what it says for 13. It says the text read eagle. So this is another interesting thing that I found here in Revelation 13. I beheld and heard one eagle flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. Wait a minute. So now you've got this eagle announcing, hey guys, you think what you just saw was bad? Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth on account of the next three angels that are going to be speaking. And what happens next takes up a lot of chapters in the book of Revelation. A lot of chapters. It takes John a lot of chapters to write about all the things that are coming up in the next few chapters of the of the Revelation. He said, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth out of the voices of the trumpet or by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels 
which are about to sound. Wow. He's basically saying, hey, you ain't seen nothing yet. Keep your eyes open, John. Watch, watch what happens next, John, is, uh, is literally what this eagle is saying. Well, these first four, was, it was bad. Yeah. But it ain't here as bad as it's No, it, it, evidently it, we haven't peaked out yet. You know, you say they got to bottom out. Yeah. We ain't bottomed out yet, basically. So let's let's go into, I am never going to get through chapter 9 today. So we're going to start and see how far we get, and then we will uh, we will hold up. But I'm going to try to read Revelation 9, 1 through 21. Uh, and I want to, we're going to spend a little time here on verse 1, chapter 9. The fifth angel sounded. And listen to this. Very interesting. And I saw a star fall from heaven under the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit, the Abusas. Now, we're talking about the earth. The verse says, and the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall or fallen from heaven. I saw a star fallen from heaven. If you put it back in the Greek, it's not fall, it's fallen. And that means it's already happened in the tense. Unto the earth. You see that? So the star falls from heaven unto the earth, or is fallen from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given a key of the bottomless pit. Or the Abusas. So, here's my logical question. Where's the bottomless pit? Lori? <laughs> she looked up. <laughs> and, and this is what prompts me to say, as a teacher, boy, I need more information. Takes more study. Lori looked up and I said, "Well, she looked up almost like she had the answer." So I was just going to let her. I was going to let her tell me where the bottomless pit is. I will say this: the Abusas, the bottomless pit, appears to be somewhere on the earth. Would you say? Now, where? On the earth. And another question. Is it here right now? On the earth. Is it possibly covered up. To where it can't be accessed. Yet. On the earth. Some interesting questions. I'm hoping I'm making you think. Because that's the whole point. I want to make you think. I want to make you you dig. I want to make you wonder like I do about these things. So this star, according to the notes in the Companion Bible, and I believe that they're probably on the right track, this star is none other than the one that the Lord told Peter in... Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 18. Tony, if you can post that one. He told Peter, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. That's what the Lord told Peter. This was the expulsion of Satan out of the heavenly places when sin was found to be in him when he was corrupted because of his own, the beauty of his own brightness. He was cast out of the throne room of God, which I believe to be the third heaven. That's on the, <laughs> and I see, um, let's see if, if Jane, Jane is on here. Jane, uh, pay attention. <laughs> We had about an hour and a half discussion about this on the phone the other night. The three heavens. 
I believe the the upon heavens, the throne room of God is the third heaven. I believe that. I believe that's fairly supportable in Scripture. Now you can agree and disagree, and if you disagree, call me. We can talk about it. I believe that heaven to be where God is is on the other side of the ice. He is completely separated from the sphere of ice that holds. <laughs> I was kidding, Jake. I wasn't trying to call you out. I was just, I was just kidding. But. It really helps your understanding if you can get an idea of the separation between these areas. Because I believe that where God dwells in his essence is on the other side of the ice. And the ice contains all the sin in his created universe. And to say that it's not sinful right now would be a a gross mistake. Because it is. Death and sin reign. I mean, it's no doubt about it. But in God's presence, in this throne room that John has been describing, there is no sin. There is only peace. There is only perfection. There is only the will of the Father. And there is none of this. But then there's a barrier that we can't escape. And neither can the angels. And then there's the firmament on our side of the barrier of ice is the sun, the moon, the stars, everything outside of our atmosphere. That, I believe, is the second heaven. And oftentimes in the scripture, it's referred to as the heavens, even in Psalms. The heavens declare the glory of God. The stars do. All the galaxies, all the other worlds are all contained. We have no idea of the expanse, how big it is. But all this is contained within that second heaven. Everything outside of our atmosphere, which I believe to be the first heaven is the atmosphere where the where the birds fly, where the airplanes fly, within our atmosphere. Occasionally now, we only have the ability to get outside of our own atmosphere. And it's only rarely that we've been able to send things even a minute distance into the firmament. You know, the some of the explorer um, satellites that they've sent. Just the Voyager. Remember the Voyager? They've made movies about that. So you have the what I believe to be the third heavens. You got the atmosphere is the first one. Anything above our atmosphere, I believe to be the second heaven, which is the firmament. And and all that's laid out in the book of Genesis. That God placed a firmament in the middle of the waters, and He divided the waters below from the waters above. The waters below were renamed and called seas. The waters above are never renamed. They remain as the deep, even in the book of Job. The face of the deep is frozen, as it says in Job 38. But even below the crust of the earth, I believe believe there's some water there. And I believe there are some things contained in that water that we're going to see someday when it gets opened up. And that too, we're about to read about here in the book of Revelation. So, the contention of the companion Bible is that this one, this star, fallen from heaven, from the third heaven to the second heaven, is none other than Lucifer himself. And that he is given the key to the bottomless pit. Ironically, down the road in the book of Revelation, there will be another angel come with the key to the pit. It will open the same pit and cast Satan into it. I bet he wishes he'd have been able to hang on to that key. Where he's took you down somebody. Yeah. (laughs) Where he's held for the thousand years. 
And after that it says, I gotta let him out a little season. All according to the plan of God the Father. Then boy am I out of time. We're, we're not even gonna scratch chapter nine. Because we're, we're completely out of time. I apologize. So we'll, we'll probably just do, uh, eight and a piece of chapter nine here today. But I wanted to, I really wanted to reiterate this. And I wanted you to understand what Christ was telling Peter when he mentioned this in Luke 10.18. I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Well, here, you're seeing him come from heaven, the second heaven, down to inside the first heaven, back on the earth. Because I believe to get to this bottomless pit, my personal belief, is that he's got to come into our atmosphere and open it wherever it is. Let me give you, let me th- tell you some things to look at. Did you know there's a landmass underneath the ice cap of Antarctica? It's so cold on the bottom of the earth that's covered over with ice, but under that ice, there's a landmass. And on that landmass, they found ginormous lakes that are covered over with the ice as well. Did you know that? Maybe a little internet study of uh, secular things might be in order too. I'm just saying. I'm not. I'm not saying that's for sure where they are. Did you also know? And we were talking about this earlier. That underneath the Arctic ice. There is no land that the North Pole is purely a floating sheet of ice. With great thickness, yeah. But it's still just ice. There's no land underneath our Arctic, the Arctic Pole at the North Pole. Unlike the Antarctic Pole at the South Pole. Just things to think about. If you were going to hide Things that we're going to read about, where would you hide them on the earth? Assuming they're here. Yeah, exactly, Mel. That's why it is considered a continent, because there's land down there. Underneath all the ice, and the ice is a lot, lot bigger than the land, but that ice is anchored off by the land in Antarctica. Well, we understand that God comes down from the third heaven through a portal that Satan cannot, he, he can't go back. There. Well, God created it, so he's got the keys to it. Obviously, somebody's giving keys out. Okay, and, and, and now, if there's one down there, uh, it requires a portal too. Yeah, and he's going to have to give his key back when he gets done with what he has to do. Yeah, okay. Evidently. Let's read on as far as we get. I'm about out of time. Let's read a couple verses. 9-1 says, The fifth angel sounded. Hopefully your curiosity is roused. And I saw a star or a star fallen from heaven under the earth from the second heaven to the first heaven or on the earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit, which obviously is here as well. And he opened the bottomless pit. Uh Uh-oh. The Abusas. And there arose a smoke out of the pit. Huh. As the smoke of a great furnace. Now John's watching all this. Imagine how he feels. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Now we've already lost a third of the sun, right? Yeah. And the moon. And the stars. And here, it says the sun and the air were darkened by reason or on account of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke, verse 3, listen to this. The best John could come up with to describe these creatures is locusts. What are these? When were they created? Who created them? 
we're going to see the purpose that they were created for. Just some questions. There came out of the smoke locust upon the earth, and that that's the Greek form acris. It's used here and in verse 7, Matthew 3, 4, and Mark 1, 6, if you want to look that, that word up for locust there. Everybody knows a typical definition of what a locust is, but these ain't your run-of-the-mill locusts. I'll promise you that. There came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. Uh-oh. This ain't your basic run-of-the-mill locust. Comes back to the sting. I've seen locusts that can eat up crops in videos, but I've never seen a locust with a stinger on him. Ever. This is a different critter. Yeah, I told Adam. Be careful whatever's out there is going to have thorns. Stingers. Stingers. Exactly. So, let's read it again and we'll close. There came out of the smoke locust. I hate to leave you with such a such a picture, but we're going to have to do it today. There came out of the smoke locust upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. They are endowed with the power to sting, as Dad brought up. Why compare it to the, the greatest thing about a scorpion is that amazing tail with that big stinger on it. And if you don't believe it, step on one. He'll show you just how amazing it is. Almost like being snake bit in some cases. Very powerful venom in the stinger of a scorpion. So we'll leave it there for today. Uh, Bow with us and we'll close. (laughs) Man, do I hate to leave it there, but I guess we're we're out of time. Um, Bow with us and we'll close and we'll we'll pick up with this next week and uh, try to figure some of these things out. Father, once again, thank you for this word. Thank you for your grace and mercy and love toward us who are so undeserving. Father, even as we read of these things and and imagine them in our minds through the help of the Spirit so that we can understand uh, what's to befall men in the, in the future days. Uh, Father, thank you for the humbleness to read it and for the understanding that we receive from your Spirit. Because, Father, we know that if we're going to understand these things at all, it has to come through the revelation of your Spirit to us. Uh, Be with us, Father, as students of the Word. Uh, Help us to read, understand, and study it according to your will. And reveal it to us, Father, each and every one, um, according to your plan and and purpose that you have for each of us. Uh, Father, thank you again for all the blessings of this past week. And uh, those that we know are to come, because it's in the name of your Son, Father, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ today, uh, that we are thankful and we do pray. Amen.